1: Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show.
2: Just a further nine goals for Manchester City this week, taking the total for the season up to 98. Two more for the century in all competitions this term, and while it won't be the fastest they've hit that landmark, they have been carrying on without a centre-forward in the team. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast, and a show where we're beginning to run out of ways to describe this side. But how about this? Despite the lack of a striker, is this the most complete squad Pep Guardiola has had at the Etihad? After all, he's made a raft of changes for the win against Norwich, and yet you wouldn't have known it. A perfect hat-trick for Raheem Stur- a perfect performance in the Champions League at Lisbon and a perfect way to prepare for the visit of Tottenham next Saturday. Seems like the perfect place to start this week's show. I'm David Mooney, and with me for this one is City fan Alan Phoenix Bates. Good afternoon. And the Sons, Martin Blackburn. Good afternoon, guys. So uh, let's let's start on it. Alan, I started there by uh, suggesting that this is the most complete city squad. Um is it, do you think? It is
3: oh, I was thinking about this, and it's the most I mean. It's the most complete, incomplete squad I can think of. Um, I mean, there's there's stuff we're going to be talking about in a few minutes about you know what the things that people reckon we need, but it's it is we're watching a team that's remarkably close to perfect football and to total football. The the Cruyff um, the Cruyff ideal, which of yeah. course um, Barcelona. Um, wanted to put on display and indeed that was the whole point of getting the situation that we've got now at City which was to do the same thing again um the Cruyff ideal in fact I was thinking only the other night that Bernardo's starting to remind me a bit of Johan in certain ways his ability to be in the right place at the right time so often you know it so yeah we we are yeah to me we're looking like a total football team now we're all over I mean John Stones, he was flying forward last night. You'd expect that on the you'd expect that on the other side from defence, <laughs> but Stones he was having a right crack last night. Yeah,
2: in between uh, the first two goals. The the interesting thing with all of this, Martin, is that the the, the whole no striker thing has been forgotten. It, the, like you think of you think of the the discussions in kind of October November time. It was always is the lack of a striker going to cost City this season? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. not been mentioned for the last few months. It's, it's
4: certainly gone off the radar, Dave. Yeah, I, I must say, Alan, I really like that the most incomplete, complete side. That's uh, I, I, <laughs> like, I, I like the way of putting that. And, and you, you're absolutely right. You sort of look at it sometimes and think, oh, you know, they could do with a, could do with a, you know, a sort of natural left back, and they could do with a centre forward. But uh, they're just they're just sort of winning games so so well at the moment. You know, I was I was in Lisbon, sat a long way back in the press box without any TV, you know, monitors to uh, to, to be able to look back at the. Um, at the replay, so we all came in at full time to, into the press room and thought what an incredible performance and then Pep sits there and says like well you know I'm not sure we, we didn't say we <laughs> didn't play well but said we could do a lot better you know and it just leaves us all scratching our heads but but I think um, you know Dave the, the the striker thing will come into focus this weekend won't it because as we all know Harry Kane was the one that they wanted to sign um, and they've they've done pretty well without him really in fact you know the the guy one of the guys that that Pep said, you know, we, we will use as a centre forward when they didn't get Kane for Torres is now uh, is now consigned to the history book. So they've just found ways to win, and uh, it's been fascinating to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, Alan, this is this is so far away from that. Uh, what I think a lot of City fans deem the classic Guardiola yes. City side, that seventeen eighteen hundred points team, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of feels it, it feels like this one is a better team than that.
3: I think so. I think it, it's I mean, I think the um the wholesale changes that were made in between the the Norwich drubbing and the sporting drubbing really point to that. That is you know, that's that's beyond strength in depth. That's it's almost taking the piss, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you, know, tell you what, I'm not taking this game seriously, but we're gonna beat you by a bigger margin than um than- Norwich, yeah, and uh, this is the Champions League. It 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 really did. it, It really did feel like the ultimate mind game to make that many changes, come in, and absolutely, drub your opposition. I mean, okay, Sporting have got a long way to go before they really can make an impact. In the uh, in the knockout stage of the Champions League, but and, and as we all know from City's travails over the years, that takes time. You can't just achieve it by snapping your fingers. But I think it's uh, you know we shouldn't be winning by that sort of margin with a rejigged team, yeah. In the Champions League, it's just I tell uh, the other teams and the, the other teams in the last sixteen must be looking at us now and absolutely quaking.
2: Yeah, I, I just while we're on the Champions League, let's uh, let, let's look at that game first because. Um I mean, Martin City are the quickest team to 200 Champions League goals. Uh, they've done it in 97 games. Um, it's the elephant in the room is that they haven't won it yet, in despite all of that kind of success with it. Do, does yeah. it feel like this could be the season? The, what I've
4: uh, felt this season, really, uh, Dave, is that, you know they, they just feel like a more accomplished side in room, don't they? You know, Pep spoke quite a bit last season, uh, sort of around the PSG semi-final. Um And I think perhaps before that, against Dortmund, he talked. He talked about sort of coming through that that maybe that sort of mental hurdle, if you like, of, of getting past the the quarterfinals where they where they come unstuck before. And he said then that you know that, that it would benefit them uh going forward. You know, in future years, even if they didn't win it that that year, which of course we know that they didn't. But and I think that is 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 sort of being borne out now. You know, they they just look. Uh, yes they lost in paris in the in the group stage but perhaps they were still building up a bit of a, a head of steam now but the, you know they they won they won 5-1 in bruges uh and then and then 5-0 in this uh, game at sport at sport in lisbon and you know, without any without any fuss at all. And it just feels to me like they're like the coming of age, if you like, as a, yeah. as a European side. And, uh, you know, this team, you know, I don't want to say they have to win it, but it feels like, you know, it, it would be a disappointment if they don't go on and win it, this set of players.
2: Yeah, Alan, have a listen to this. This is uh, what Guardiola said after the game on, on Tuesday about kind of City's position in the Champions League.
5: Listen, we make almost, almost, almost a perfect Champions League last season. We played thirteen or fourteen games, I don't know how much it is. We won twelve, we dropped one, already qualified here in Portugal against Porto, and we played fantastic well and we lost the final. It was a what a fucking failure. Is the is the team <laughs> and it's not true. We make a perfect a better perfect a perfect Champions League. But the Champions League final we didn't perform as 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 we normally use and the Margin Champions League is like you know in this in this detail so that's why I'm not going to hide behind the zero 05
1: please give us your backing patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast
2: now it's always funny when a manager drops in a swear like that, but yes. um,
3: uh, you kind of get the sense he's out to correct that final last season, don't you? You, you really do. I mean, I mean, even to the point he was talking well, before the game of going back to basics about uh, making sure first of all you pass to the same you pass players with the same T-shirt on. You said something of that ilk, didn't he? Which I thought was an amazing football tip. I must remember that. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's where, it's where, where we've all been going wrong all these years. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> right, if only I'd known years before. I could have been there. I could have been there, but um, no. I, th- I think there's 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 a mental toughness. I mean, when you get when you're going along a, a journey like this, the last hurdle is infinitely higher than the previous one in terms of the um, the the mental game you have to you have to play with it. And God, and none of that lot take defeat. Well, you think about the um, think about the, that Amazon documentary that they did about the uh, the big season. And think about the way they were after defeats, and think about how that must have felt after the Champions League thing. Yeah, I, I think that there's that there's there's a mental toughness that comes from being burnt, from being from being tempered in a fire. That I think is starting to show with this team now.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that because Martin, I was going to ask how ready this side is for those Champions League tough games, and I I, I kind of yeah. guess it it comes from the experience of having beaten PSG and Dortmund in the knockouts, but then getting burnt in the final, as Alan says.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely there'll be a there'll be a sense of uh, of unfinished business, uh, Dave. But but you know, I think I think they will have that that in their mind, and they want to make sure that, uh, that that it doesn't happen again. You know, if they can get that far, and really, you know, you, you've got to you look at sort of Liverpool, you look at probably Bayern Munich, maybe PSG, but is there anything else in there to, to sort of worry City really, you know, that when, when it comes to the the quarter final draw, um, you you really would fancy them to, to go deep again. As and as I say, I just think I feel like they're much much more accomplished side than um than than they have been in Europe now, with that bit of confidence of, of having got to a final you know last season even even though they ended up losing, I think perhaps once the dust had settled. They would have all got their heads together, Pep and Cheeky and Soriano, and thought, well, you know, we've we've come, you know, we've we've overcome that hurdle, and and now's now's the time to go on better, you know. I know I know that was the way that Caldin was thinking. So, um, so yeah, definitely scope to, to 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 sort of finish finish the job off in terms of that that sort of missing trophy from from everything that Pep's achieved.
2: Yeah, Alan. From a fan's point of view, does the experience of of last season and and the run that they went on last season help for this year? Because you, you think of you think of the players in that situation; they're they're kind of professional and getting on with the job. And for us, it's kind of like we got all the way to the final, and we look at it as now there's never been a better chance to win the Champions League than last season. They've got to go through it all again, you know, round after round to get to the final. Is it a mental hurdle for us as much as the players?
3: I, I think it. Is. I think it is to a degree, but uh, these mental hurdles seem to. Um, they, th- it's, they, they seem to get easier you know from the uh, we, because we've seen where we can get we've seen where we can get to and we know that um I mean I think the the tuchel bounce is over for a start yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it, it's I mean it's a well-known statistical fact that man that a manager can uh, any manager of uh, any competent manager can get a team to bounce for maybe Eight or nine weeks before their actual talent makes a difference, and I think that that I like, that two bounce is absolutely over now. I don't think that the Chelsea are they. They feel like a spent force to me. Um, there's a there's a nerviness about Liverpool. I don't view them as a threat. I would have viewed them a few seasons ago
2: god that's brave talk <laughs>
3: you know, no I, they, they feel they feel to me like a team on the edge of a nervous breakdown all the time they really do and um i to, to my mind i think that um we can city can get through this i don't think there's going to be i don't see that there's any major obstacles to getting to getting to a final again
2: yeah well we'll uh we'll come back you, to i that. did
3: say we beat leon
2: yeah, I was <laughs> going to say we we you have history of, of not correctly
3: predict, predicting things in that sense. Yeah. I'm on record as fucking this up totally. My first season as a busker meant that we uh, well, I start when I started busking, we went on that debilitating series of draws that lost us a Champions League place in 2010. If you remember.
2: Yeah, I don't know why so, we. Keep having I've got you back, previous. To be
3: yeah, I've got previous. Why do you have me on? I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Oh.
2: Oh God, uh, Martin. Let's let's talk Raheem Sterling because he was uh, he, he's had a great week. Um, as much as as Bernardo tried to steal the headlines from him, you can't hide from uh, for, from it being Sterling's week, can you? Definitely not.
4: No, I mean I, I, I did hear people suggest that, that Sterling's goal was better than Bernardo. I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought Bernardo's was so so eye catching. Really, the way it sort of. Something about a goal that goes in off the, the underside of the bar isn't there, so makes it a bit uh, a bit special. But when it is, it's funny how um, I was I was doing something for the, for this morning's paper on. Uh, on, on Sterling moving into the top ten of of City's all time leading goal scorers, and you just sort of look back to the way things were at the start of the season, and people were sort of wondering whether his his City career was starting to sort of fizzle out a bit. And you just get the feeling that maybe because of that, then something you know quite special could be about to happen for for Raheem, Raheem, Sterling, for Raheem Sterling. Whether it's sort of uh, you know scripted that this is going to be uh, a really special season for him to to move into the top ten, you know, in quite a quite a Quite a sort of small time frame, really. Is uh, is quite some effort by him, and uh, and yeah, just looks full of confidence right now. You know, 10, 10 goals in the league uh, with his his hat trick at, uh, at Norwich, another one in, in midweek, and uh, just feels like you know we're getting back to the the, the Sterling of old, really, and, um, and and hopefully that can that can continue. He seems to be. You know, he, he he Pep's played him in, in all three of those positions across the front, hasn't he? And uh, just looks looks hungry again. And the, the trick now for City is going to be able to persuade him that uh, that this is the place for him to, to stay for the long term.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask about the contract. Is there is there any news about it? Do you know anything? <laughs> I mean, really, uh, Dave. It's it's.
4: <laughs> I mean, there's still still not a huge development, but I think there is now more of a uh, a willingness for for Sterling to. Renegotiate, you know, to sit down and talk again. I think I think City stands hasn't really changed. They've always wanted for him to stay and uh, and be part of um, the next few years. Sterling's been a bit reluctant to do it just because you know he had those maybe six months either side of the summer where he where he wasn't getting in the team and when he was he wasn't scoring goals. So uh, those people sort of close to uh, Raheem suggested that he wanted to wait to see whether he he would get back in the team get get playing regularly again and of course. Of course, now he is. So I would expect more talks to take place between now and the end of the season. Whether those come to uh, come to the, the conclusion that most City fans will want, we'll have to wait and see.
2: Alan, I, I asked uh, Adam Carter, Stat City, on Twitter about uh, Sterling's numbers. Um, uh, I, gonna, I've, I've asked his permission to do this. He sent me a voice note back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, play this. Have a listen to, to this, just where, where Sterling stacks up in, in the kind of Guardiola era of City.
0: In terms of hat tricks scored for the club, only Tommy Browell's eight, Fred Tilson's 10, and Aguero's 16 hat tricks have scored more than Raheem's six for the club. So that just really shows you where he's at in terms of the all-time goal scorers for the club and in fact he moved into the top 10 all-time goal scorers this week so I'd say he's arguably the most important goal scorer during the Pep Guardiola era if you look at any conceivable metric under Pep Raheem is easily in the top two alongside Aguero for most of them almost most of them you know goal scored 116 second only to Aguero Premier League goal scored 82 the joint highest with Aguero Away Premier League goals, 39, two more than anyone else. Champions League goals, 21, just one shy of Aguero's tally. And 57 of Raheem's goals have either seen us take the lead or equalise, which means almost half his goals have secured the points for City in some way or another. But I guess you're still thinking about that missed chance at Burnley, aren't you? (laughs)
2: It's that point from Adam there at the end. Exactly why he's underappreciated at City, do you think?
3: Yeah, I think that there are there are little things. Um I mean I I don't understand it. When there's when there's a, a little bit of a lull in Raheem's form, um the knives come out really, really quickly. And I can't work that one out. I can't work out why he's not given the um the space to breathe as a player. I mean, we were talking about him, you know, people talk talking about him. Being on the way out during the summer, they were say the same the same thing about Bernardo, weren't they, as well? During the summer, yeah. And uh, you know, people, he, all he's what he's doing right now. I mean, he's reverting to the mean of being a shit hot player.
2: Yeah, I you I know? just wonder if part of the reason why he he is undervalued because I I think he's undervalued at City. I think a lot of City fans don't appreciate what he offers to the team. Um, and I wonder if it's because we, we still judge him by that seventeen eighteen standard that that kind of that, that role he played in the in the front three that was uh, Sterling wide right, Sane wide left, and Aguero through the middle. And you think of him, you know, picking the ball up and, and running into that empty space and, and helping City on the break. Well, City don't do that anymore, and, really, and and Sterling's job is completely different to what it was then. And because it's not as eye catching as it used to be, I think I, I wonder if if that's part of the reason.
3: Yeah, I, I think sometimes it takes a fan base a while to actually catch up with the football that's being played, you know, and the tactics that are required. We're all about creating space, creating negative space as well. For um, we, we've got defenders covering the wrong areas. It's it's a much more subtle game of football. It won't necessarily bear out in figures, but when you look at the figures that we were given just now in that audio, the figures are there anyway. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's. I say it's just a different job. It's not so obvious, but he's doing it week in, week out.
2: Yeah, Martin. When you think of, of the influence he has on this on this city side, I mean, when you think back to the, the start of the season and uh, certainly end of last season when he wasn't getting in the team, I think I think there have been a lot of supporters who would have gone, "Well, you know what? If they get a good offer, I'd be quite happy to to take it at this stage." Um, I'm I'm not convinced there is a good offer for Sterling anymore.
4: No, no, um, just just to backtrack slightly, Dave. I, I was there that day at Burnley. It was a bad miss, that you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, was
4: that was that was that seventeen eighteen? It was, remember. yeah, it was actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. It finished one one, didn't it? Uh, yeah, Burnley got a late equaliser, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's um, I mean, he's been. Um, he, he, I think he sort of carried the. Carried the can, if you like. Do you remember the the derby defeat against United in uh, in, in March? I'm sure I'm sure you guys do remember. It. Yeah. And uh, Sterling had a particularly bad day. Pep seemed very angry with him, and then he he sort of disappeared from the uh, from the team for a little while, didn't he? You know, he I don't think he was even in the squad at Fulham. So uh, and it, and it seemed to sort of go from there, really. Although he had a, a great start to the uh, to the Euros with England, he came back to City and um, uh, and wasn't back in the. Uh, in the reckoning you know the the, the stats that um, uh, that Stat City read out there are, are incredible but I think there was a period there in the in, in you know either side of the uh, uh, of, of the summer where he had something like two, two goals in 30 appearances or something like that it was uh, it was quite a drought by his standards and then of course when Jack Grealish came in a lot of people would have looked at it and said well you know you don't pay that sort of money uh, for a player like that and, and not play him so Potentially, is his position the same one as uh, uh, as Raheem Sterling? So, uh, so yeah, there was a there was a lot of doubts, but he's you know once again he's uh, he's proved them wrong, and I, and I guess you're at the point now where where Grealish is probably going when you know when he's fit again, which I gather won't be too long, but um, you know he's going to be the one who has to to, to force his way back in, such as yeah. the such is the sort of form of the last few few games.
2: Yeah, well, uh, while we're on Sterling, he became the third City player to score a perfect hat trick in the Premier League on Saturday. It's the fourth perfect hat trick that City have scored in the top flight in the modern era. So we sent Sam Roscoe digging into the archives to look back at how all four of them were scored.
3: I don't want have love affairs.
1: Manchester City's first ever Premier League hat trick was scored by Paolo Wanchop against Sunderland at Main Road in the year 2000. Other players have since netted three times in a game, but the first to do it with his left foot, right foot and head came in 2011. It was Edin Dzeko at Tottenham. I think uh, last time I scored four goals was uh, in Germany. We play, we play a cup with, the, I don't know, third league or something like that, but uh, today is something special for me because uh, to score four goals in, uh, in the Premiership is... Fantastic. In that game, the Bosnian's first three goals fulfilled the perfect hat-trick criteria. The striker was still new to the club, having joined in the previous January. He says he was beginning to find his feet. I had always a lot of confidence in me. I wasn't uh, fit 100% from the beginning when I when I just came in January, and now I feel I feel much better. I feel uh, I feel stronger, and uh, yeah, we'll see. I want to improve every next game. It took more than four years for City's next perfect hat trick, and it came from Sergio Aguero. Of course, who else? As the side ran riot over Newcastle, it finished six-one at the beginning of what would turn out to be Manuel Pellegrini's final season.
6: Very happy because um, me as, as, as a manager, I like to see teams play in this way. And not just score one goal or when we score the second goal, go back and just try to keep the advantage. I think that I am a fan of the fans, so I think that for the fans it's very important to see teams playing in this way, scoring and have and enjoying the whole game. Newcastle
1: had taken the lead that afternoon, before Aguero equalised with a diving header. After the break he made it 2-1 with a deflected effort off his left foot, before his right foot, Dink, made it 3 he then scored twice more to equal the Premier League record of five goals in a single game. Nobody has ever scored six. Pellegrini was delighted with his display.
6: Kone is different. We know that Kun is different. Uh, maybe in the other game he was uh, having, he was having a lot of chances, but for different reasons he was not scoring. I think that uh, that today he he returns again to his normal. Uh, amount of, of, of chances that he create, that game and in this case the uh, he, he scored.
1: The manager subbed the striker off shortly after his fifth goal and fans were disappointed Aguero didn't get the chance to score the Premier League's first ever double hat-trick. However, Pellegrini confirmed that he wasn't fully fit. He
6: was not upset because he has an important kick from Wednesday on Germany he was having treatment in the half-time so I think that was a uh, the risk for him to finish uh, the the whole game, that's why he, he he I I took him I took him out. It was
1: the same player in the same fixture three years later that scored City's next perfect hat-trick in the 3-1 win over Newcastle in January 2019. Aguero opened the scoring with a header. His right footed penalty made it 2-0, and then, after Newcastle pulled the goal back, his left footed finish secured the points. But even Aguero wasn't sure if he touched the ball for the first goal.
0: I don't know the first, the first goal touch, but I feel a little yeah. That was the next question. So how much of a touch? It looked like it brushed your hair. We're not sure. The Premier League is saying that it is your goal. Yeah, yeah, it's up to you, I think. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. <Definitely>. Short. one hundred percent.
1: This was in Pep Guardiola's second season at City. And the manager was delighted with Aguero's display.
5: Sergio had his talent. Before the first goal, he didn't touch the ball. The first touch goal. So it's a special gift and uh, no words to describe how good it is in that position. After that, the goal, he contact the ball, was aggressive. One against one, two against one, three against one. He proved, he proved because we need, we need the guy who scored goals. So happy for him.
1: And now, four years later, Raheem Sterling has joined the club of City players who have scored perfect hat-tricks in the Premier League. His triple against Norwich was the first time it's been done by a player not wearing the number 10 shirt. And it was perhaps a little fortuitous, since his left-footed goal was a rebound after he missed a penalty. Even so, Guardiola was heaping praise on the forward after the game.
5: He make a, a brilliant first goal. The second one was there, and uh, yeah, he was so. After the goal, he you, you realize how he grew up. He's confident and being aggressive. Last game, he made an excellent action against Brentford. Like uh, we go on, we won a penalty. So he's a guy who always creates
1: something. Sterling though wanted to focus more on the team's performance. I
5: think the team played an incredible game. With
1: a quick turnaround, you know it's always
5: difficult, and you know that's what makes the team so good. It's every three days we're at it again. The thing that impressed me about the team is the mentality, is that, that winning mentality to, to as I said, during in the weekend and hopefully do it midweek, and I think that's the most, I'd say incredible thing about the team. It's always good when your your forward players and um, score goals, and that's what you need. Um, Red's been in incredible form. Kevin, Phil, a lot of the boys. So the more players we have scoring, I think the, the more it will benefit us. So. I'm long made a that
1: That's now four perfect hat-tricks scored by City players in the Premier League fans never care how the ball hits the net as long as it does but it's nice to mark those little milestones like this from time to time Hello,
5: my name is Gerard a former player of Manchester City and you're listening to the Blue Moon
3: Podcast
1: and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. Is the Blue Moon Podcast? Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast.
2: That was Sam Roscoe looking at uh, City's perfect hat tricks in the Premier League. Uh, Time to have a look ahead to the game with Tottenham now, Um, Alan. It feels like the first time in ages that uh, that Liverpool play first this time. Uh, It's Norwich and Anfield for them, which means that City are are likely to be in inverted commas only six points ahead at kickoff. Does that does that change anything?
3: I don't know that it does, to be honest. Uh, that's um, that's likely to be only six points ahead at kickoff as well. I mean, you know, stranger things have happened. Not many spring to mind. <laughs> no, not <laughs> many spring to mind, but uh, stranger things have happened. But I mean, the point is, it's still six. points. six points is six points. As my dad always used to say to me, "I'd rather have the points, boy." Yeah. You know, every time, every time.
2: Yeah. Martin it's uh, it, it is a tough game for city at, at weekend and and maybe less so for liverpool um yeah. how, do you, how do you see the picture at the minute
4: yeah, well, uh, I was at I was actually at Burnley on uh, Sunday, uh, Dave, when when they played Liverpool, and, uh, and and you know Liverpool were quite lucky really to, to to sort of come out with that with the three points. It was it was a horrendous day. It was the sort of day, you know, when when you if you've got any chance of winning the, the title, you've just got to get the job done. That's what they did, and and I didn't see all of the game in Milan last night, but um, from what I, from what I did see, they didn't play brilliantly, but still still won. You know, I think Pep described them uh, to a uh, was it to an American. Uh, station on, on Tuesday night they described Liverpool as a as a pain in the ass I think he said the word <laughs> and and, uh, and that's sort of what they're being at the moment they're not they're not playing great uh, like Alan said you know you wouldn't you know you would expect them to be Norwich but uh, you wouldn't be absolutely absolutely certain so 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 yeah you would imagine it'll be down to six then City play again. Uh, and then Liverpool play Leeds on Tuesday night, I think, or is it Wednesday night? So, so you know, things are going to you know, even even up slightly in terms of the the, the games played um, coming up. I, I mean, I, six points, as Alan said, is is still a it's still a really good lead when you when you comes you know that how how the season started. And they, yes, they've got to still come to the Etihad, but but you know I, what I always say is that. City have played pretty much all of their difficult games, have not they? Of their most difficult games, they've got them out of the way. And uh, of the big teams that they've still got to play, most of them are, are at the Etihad, where you, you always feel more confident. So, uh, yeah. you know, even if it goes down to, to, to six, I, I still think they're happy enough with that City, really.
2: Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, Alan? I mean, somebody said to me the other week um, that it's not over, but you'd, you'd rather have the cards that City have got. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was looking at the... Um... I was having a quick look at the the running, and to be honest, there wasn't an awful lot that concerned me. You know, there weren't that me- there weren't that many up, 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 upcoming games that really made me think, "Oh, I don't fancy that." You know, da- dangerous that, isn't it? It is dangerous. <laughs> that- I mean, I, I think think about that compared to say how I felt about things in say nineteen ninety one god that's a change it really yeah. is i look at i look at the entire fixture thing and go, oh, i don't i don't fancy that first division i really don't <laughs> oh. there's, there's there's difficult games all the way down the line these days i'm i'm thinking you know it's we, it's that they're, they're they're you know they're asked they're to lose if anything you know yeah. we'd have to throw some of them away yeah
2: i'm i'm interested martin um like the, at the moment, the defense sort of picks itself. It's a bit of a question mark of the three centre backs who you, who Pep will start with. Uh, but after that, it feels like um, like the list of players that deserve to play at the moment. It feels like you've, you've got to include Rodri, you've got to mm-hmm. include Bernardo, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Sterling, Mahrez, Foden. Yet there's yeah. not enough room for all of these players. So like, like there isn't. How, how how do you do it?
4: Well, it's, it's, I mean, I think it's a really interesting thing. He, he talked. He talked about it a little bit in, in midweek, didn't he? About the sort of uh, um, the, the way that the, the, the squad is sort of made up, and, and the fact what was the word he used? I can't remember what it was now. The, the word he used to describe the way the uh, it'll come to me in a minute. I'm sure the the, the sort of the sort the sort of that was it harmony. It was the harmony, harmony yeah. of the squad, wasn't it? And I think that's I think that's key to it when you've got all these. Um, uh, these players, these sort of uh, big name superstar players, you know, and they're they getting left out uh, every now and again. They have to sit on the bench. That isn't for everybody, you know. There are players who who want to uh, who want to play in every single game. But one of the great things about this sort of era of Pep really has been that he seems to have got this squad where you know players just accept that occasionally they're going to have to sit one out, and um, uh, and that's that's that I think that's what he's. What he's done really well, you know. So uh, I suppose he's perhaps been lucky in that there's been little little injuries or or, or, or you know illnesses or absences. Maris going off to the uh, to the Afcon and uh, Grealish picking up this injury, which has made it slightly easier. But he's always said, you know, he, he has to have this squad if he's gonna if he's gonna go for all the trophies and um, and that seems to have that seems to have worked really well for him. You know, they, of course, I think that's as I say, I think that's one of been one of the, the great things is is that he's kept this squad. Together and he's kept them happy and um, you know you don't really get players very often wanting to to leave City with with non exception you know Torres and Leroy Sané but people want to stick around don't they Yeah I,
2: I want to talk about uh, Bernardo Allen because we didn't really talk about him in the in, in, in after despite what he, what he's done this week. Um, <laughs> it feels like he's had a quite few weeks uh, after christmas but he's he's kind of slowly coming back onto the radar isn't he for mm. this season
3: mm. yeah oh absolutely i mean, it was uh, like i say with me is that, it's that ability to be in the right place at the right time that is um, really impressing me with him i mean you can i mean he's, his ball his ball skills are, are absolutely superb that first goal um, the, the ball was moving in completely the wrong direction for him to be able to do that with it I do not know how he did it but also you have to be there at the right place as well and I think it, it is he, he's he's had a quiet revolution in the way that he plays in terms of the his ability to play put himself in the right place
2: yeah, he's no, not—he's he not the right size either for 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 someone to hit a hit a strike like that first one. No, I, I don't no. understand how he does it because because every time you watch
3: when you watch him chest the ball down, the ball looks as big as his body. Absolutely, just, he is the tiniest man, isn't he? But it is—it it, is—he's it, it, just got this ability to slot himself into the right place, much like David Silver had. Yeah of being able to read the game, be in the right place at the right time. But there's a difference to his game because Bernardo can actually shoot. It's an interesting
4: point, really. The fact that, you know, since David Silva left, I wouldn't say he hasn't been missed because I know how much City fans loved him, but he's sort of slotted into into that. Fill those boots, albeit... Quite small boots, aren't they? But, so. <laughs>
1: no, <they're> tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny elf in boots. boots.
2: I, uh, I, I, I remember once um, I did a stadium tour at City. It was, a, it was like the press launch of the stadium tour. And oh, yeah. uh, Jesus Navas's boots were on there. And they were, they were size four and a half. I was like,
3: like how, how is that <laughs> no possible? bloody work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how,
2: how is that possible that a, that a professional footballer can have such small feet? Surely that hurts to kick the ball, doesn't it? Um. Martin, I, w- I want to play this. Uh, this was Guardiola on Tuesday night, again, talking about uh, Bernardo. This is what he said.
5: Always I, I tell him, so, Bernardo, you're a perfect player. Defensively, so intuitive. can run 30 kilometres, but in sense, not just run for run, and with the ball is more than exceptional. But always say you have to score goals. You have to win games. You have to have the ability to do it. <laughs> Today, the goal, he scored one of the best I've ever seen for the technique, for the, for everything.
1: This is the Blue Moon Podcast. But oh, don't worry, it'll be over soon.
2: So that was, uh, that was Guardiola on Tuesday night talking about uh, Bernardo's first goal. Uh, how, how has he become so important to City, Martin, this season?
4: Well, well yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we touched on it earlier on, didn't we, Dave, about how, we, how close he came to, to, to leaving in the summer. Uh, you know, talked about Sterling as well, of course, but but yeah, there was uh, there, you know, obviously Bernardo was uh, was keen to, to move to move closer to closer to home, wasn't he? So you look back now, and you you sort of think. Would city fans? You, you guys know better than me. would city fans have been devastated? Had he gone in the summer. I, I think they would have been disappointed and, and everything. But you know, if, if there was talk of him going this summer, twelve months on, uh, then you really would be devastated. When he He's had such yeah. an incredible season, he's got to be in line for me for the uh, for the for the awards for the for the Player of the Season awards, really. And uh, you know, they've just found this sort of nice nice role for him in that in that midfield. And um, yeah, you know, stepped if there was a shadow a little bit with with David Silva. He seems to have sort of stepped out of it and and um, uh, really really taken his his game on. He, there was a quote from him after the uh, after the game in midweek where he said, "We collectively, the, the the city squad have have moved up a level since since last season." And I think I think you know he could he, many people would say that about himself. Really, you know he's had a he's had a really outstanding time. I, I always look back to. You know his first season was quite underwhelming, um, and then uh, the, the second one. I think De Bruyne was injured, wasn't he? Was it eighteen, nineteen? The yeah. De Bruyne missed a lot of it, and he really sort of he really sort of stepped up then. You know, so he's, he's had a strange City career, really, in that he hasn't always been brilliant. But when he is brilliant, my goodness, he's uh, he's fantastic, isn't he?
2: Yeah, and uh, while we're talking about uh, being in good form, Alan City themselves in imperious form right now. Spurs. On the other hand, seems to be struggling a little bit. They've got they've had three Premier League defeats in a row, one win in the last four in all competitions. This, I mean, it points to only one result on Saturday. doesn't It,
3: it? does the form book does uh, it does point us in that direction. As long as we don't have one of those weird listless games where we can't seem to, you know, pass the ball to somebody wearing the same t-shirt. <laughs> no, we, I mean, we have those, we have those occasionally. Sometimes it can be, you know, after the Lord Mayor's show, so to speak and uh, we can sometimes look a little bit on the uh, the listless side but uh again like a, i said, a, a lot of our fixtures that they're, they're ours to lose a lot of the time and i just hope we i hope we don't i hope that there's going to be uh you know a positive response to a team that uh, are struggling but mind you they would probably have said that we would have um beaten spurs in the Fixture at the beginning of the season
2: as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the interesting thing, Martin. I think that the start of the season, City were th- they were obviously undercooked from, from yeah. the Euros. Um, yeah. It's an entirely different game at the moment. Where, where do you think Spurs are right now? Because Conte doesn't seem well, to be t- particularly happy, does he?
4: No, he doesn't. No, I think it's is it three straight defeats in the league. So only yeah. two two at home, and they're doing their they're doing their best to ensure that United get into the top four, aren't they, Spurs through their. Uh, through their own poor form, really. So, uh, um, it's probably it probably is um, a good time to to play them. I, I, I sort of feel like they're one of those tides who, if if they really clicked, if they really hit the, hit the straps, then they could cause City a, a problem. But uh, tr- traditionally, you know, in, in recent years, you know, City have City have done have done quite well against them, haven't they? At uh, at home, certainly. I remember a two two draw early in the season a couple of years ago at the Etihad. And uh, but generally, generally they've beaten them and, and beaten them quite well. And that's what I. That's what I would I would um, expect to see again. So uh, um, yeah, I mean it'll be an interesting day for Hurricane though, won't it? To uh, that, that, yeah, to find that, step out at the Etihad?
2: That, that that's the thing. Do you, do you sense for for, for City? Um, the Hurricane ship has sailed now.
4: Well, um, yes, yes, I think it is. I, I I mean, I think it has rather. I think that if it was up to Hurricane, I, I still think he would. He would like to come, but um, I think you know. You look at it, and in the summer, at the end of July, he's going to be 29. So the only way I could see it being back, you know, on the on the horizon, if you like, is uh, is, is if you know if Spurs were willing to take a good a good deal less than uh, than what they were uh, what they were asking for last summer. You know, and I think that I think it was my it was the news section of my paper did that. Story that seemed to cause such a stir that that that, that, you know he could go if City paid 160 million for him, you know that that was uh, for all the stick that that story got it was it was extremely well well sourced you know and uh, 160 million there was no way no way City were ever going to pay that and uh, you know would would they now take half of that you know would they I don't I'm not too sure I I still think you know Pep talks about what a difficult negotiator. Um, Daniel Levy is and, and everybody in football knows that so I suspect I suspect that they uh, that like the you said they, that that ship has sailed
2: Yeah, two sides probably never going to meet on that one um, I don't think so Yeah, Alan we've we, we've said on, on podcasts recently that uh, Guardiola will be happy with uh, a, a busy schedule for for rhythm for City players does that make this game a little easier in that sense? They can just use the momentum that they've gathered this week from a 4-0 and a 5-0 win
3: Well yeah and also it gives a chance for um I mean, we've had a plenty of squad rotation between the 4 nil and the 5 nil, So there'll be players that'll be wanting to get in there and wanting to prove a point who were out of the um, Champions League um, team on um, Tuesday night. So you know, there's, there's momentum in all sorts of areas. There's a momentum for the whole squad. It's not just for the, 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 the team core, but uh, there'll be players wanting to get in there and prove a point on, on, on the weekend.
2: Yeah, um, it's then a week off though until Everton, Martin. It's it's been a really weird uh, kind of start to 2022 for City in that sense that they just haven't had the they haven't had the, the run of games that they normally get.
4: No, they, they, well, of course, we, we, as we know, they're, they're always in the semi final of the uh, of the carabao, aren't they? Yeah. So uh, there's usually uh, usually a, a very busy start to the week uh, to the to the year tagged onto a. You know, to a very busy Christmas, and I think I think Pep almost didn't know what to do with himself really in, in January. I think he he did say he prefers it. You know, he's he's funny really because he'll have a little grumble about the intensity of you know the the number of matches that are that the way we have to play in this country. But he but he's quite open about the fact that he likes it when it's sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. You know, and he can he can really get up this uh, get this rhythm going, and also that helps him because. The squad that he's assembled, he can it can keep everybody a little bit happier when he's got got games coming thick and fast. So uh, yeah. so yeah, a week off, back you know, back to the training ground. Maybe give the the players a couple of days off. It looks quite a nice run, really, through till the uh, till the international break. Now you'd expect them to go to Peterborough. And win, of course, they can play the kids against the, the second leg against uh, against Sport in Lisbon. So uh, and Mark like Allen said the, the run of games that they've got. Doesn't look too bad, you know. Tottenham, Tottenham, Everton, United. Uh, you would like to think that all three of those they, they could they could go and win, even though they've you know maybe had problems with them before.
2: Yeah, I've just got this lovely image of uh, of Guardiola sat at home, crawling the walls, not knowing what to do with himself. (laughs) Flicking flicking through the television going, there's nothing on. (laughs) Exactly, it would do. Right, uh, we're so close to making it our best ever season on the charity bet already. uh, We've had another winner on last week's show. This one was Simon Bajkowski with the correct 4-0 prediction for City at Norwich. That brought the total for the season up to £1,230. We're raising money for the Man City fans' Food Bank support. They're collecting donations for the Trussell Trust in Manchester. Uh, they'll be collecting under the bridge from asda outside the etihad two hours before kickoff on saturday as well all being well uh, do check with them though because obviously there's a couple of weather warnings in place so uh, they they might not be there if weather conditions are, are bad uh, so do have a check on the day uh, but if they are there go and pay them a visit if you can william hill is giving each of us a 10 pound correct score single on city's games uh, let's get some predictions on the board uh, martin i'm gonna start with you for uh, for city against spurs what are you going for so
4: I am going to go for three nil to City. Uh, I just think that uh, you know I expect them to score goals. They're in this rich vein of form, and Tottenham are out of sorts. So I think it'll be a, I think
3: it'll
2: be a comfortable win three nil. Three nil is seven to one and seventy pounds. If you are right, Alan, what are you having?
3: I am not too dissimilar to Martin. I am going for the same sort of thing, but tempered with a little bit of caution. Three one.
2: Three one is uh, is the score that we win with most often on the charity bet. So um, well, well, well. yeah, we could. <laughs> we, we, it, you never know, dear. Uh, Eleven to one if uh, if you're right on that one, one hundred and ten pounds. Uh, I've gone for four nil because I was going to go for three one until Alan said that. Um, <laughs> that's uh, twelve to one and one hundred and twenty pounds if you're right, Martin. Uh, I've got to say to you as well, uh, people who uh, we we have a history of well as well of uh, people making their debut on the podcast and winning the charity uh-huh. bet. So oh, really? um, so no no cool. pressure.
4: <laughs> tough act to follow then Dave yeah. tough act to follow fingers yeah. crossed
2: remember you've yeah. got to be 18 or over to gamble prices can change and for more on responsible gambling have a look at begambleaware.org org. <laughs> Now then, we've had a lot of focus on some of the EDS players lately. Liam DeLapp and James McAtee have been making an impact in the first team in recent weeks. It's time to check in with our EDS expert, Sean Blinkhorn, to get more of a view of how the players we don't see too much of are progressing.
7: Well, I wanted to talk a little about a, a few players this month. I wanted to start with Josh Adam. Uh, a couple of It might be a couple of years ago now, I came on the podcast and I, I spoke a little about the... Um, the lesser spotted Scottish signings that we were making at the moment and just tying into where the Scottish game is at the moment. And it seems to kind of be a bit, a bit on the up. Um, now, Josh, Josh Adam, we got from Celtics. He's, he's Glasgow bomb. He's, um, to, to describe him, if you haven't seen him yet, he is a right-footed James Mcatee. It is it is as simple as that. It's uncanny, <laughs> to be honest. It's, honestly, I'd love to see I'd love to see the two of them together in the center of the park, but I think it would go very, very wrong. Does it? Does he look uh, about fourteen as well? Yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> to the point. To the point. I've got in my notes recently one of the most recent games I watched. I watched a couple of under eighteen games, and then I watched a, an under twenty three game. And I've got tipex in my book because I just wrote. Josh Adam and it's not, it was McAtee. They're, they're yeah. identical, but, you know, a mirror image. Yeah, who's um, who's, let, who's
2: let these children into this? Yeah. Yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the one thing about him is, you know, if you can imagine McAtee at the moment, so you imagine a lad who spins on the ball and he glides to the box with, you know, great strides and then as he gets towards the box, it becomes lots of small touches and he's looking around. Mm. He's going to either play a beautiful little through ball or smack one in it's it's identical. Um yeah. so he's still playing under 18s football in his second year which is probably a down to that really. I mean you don't really need to James McAtees, do you? so it's probably down to that. You don't it's it's not a great sign for a player you've actually got hopes for in in the hole, but it isn't the death knell either because Cole Palmer was still playing under 18s football in his second year so
2: Look where he is now yeah. And look
7: where he is. Yes, yeah, so a classy little player who I think's one to watch when he starts to uh when he starts to show a bit more for the uh, the higher age levels. But uh, yeah, a yeah, great little player.
2: Yeah. And I mean, another name that uh, that I know you've mentioned um, to me privately is uh, Isaac Smith. Uh, what, what about him?
7: Yeah. So Isaac, he is a scholar. Uh, so this is his first year. So he, he, he is still playing under-18s football. He's a, a centre-back who I think would probably be playing higher if it wasn't for like, you know, the the wealth of, of centre-backs that we've got slightly higher than, than under 18. So, um, I mean, I'm slightly disappointed in Luke M. Beatty so far this season. Um, apart from, you know, making his first team bow, which is excellent. Apart from that, he's been a bit off, I'd say, but he's got the second half of the season to turn that around. Yeah. Um, and Finley Burns has moved on, so, m- uh, I mean not moved on, uh, moved on on loan, so maybe there is going to be a chance for Isaac. Uh, he, he's a... He, as you'd expect, he's he's, a, he's he's relatively good on the ball, but he's also a strong tackler who absolutely loves dribbling the ball out of defence. <laughs> not, not not doing that like crescent pass along the back line that most of our centre backs that we create these days, and you know it goes out to the wings. Oh no, he takes the ball and runs with it, which is yeah. uh, which is good to see. He's he's put on some really commanding performances from what I've seen so far for the under-18s. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him step up to the under-23s and see if he can you can bully the uh, the older lads uh, much the same. Yeah,
2: just a, just a quick question on the on the centre backs though, because um, you look at uh, uh, let's take like first team down, hmm. and obviously you look at at the, at the at where City are with the first team. You've got um, Stones, Laporte, Diaz as, as as your top three, and then Ake not far behind them as, as your fourth one. Mm-hmm. It, when you when you say like you're disappointed a little bit in in Luke and um, development this season. Like the opportunity, he must know the opportunities for the first team aren't really there. Because like, when is when is there going to be an opportunity when when City have got four top quality centre backs like that? So then, when you look even further down behind that, like I, I I almost wonder if it's a little bit dispiriting for someone like Isaac Smith.
7: Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, personal. This is probably personal bias. I don't know, but it, it, if you look at Beatty for me, you've got to see Nathan Ake is gettable. Um. And the other thing, the other thing I should say as well that Luke Mbati spent the second half of last year injured, so you know he, he's trying to find his way back in. Yeah, um, I see what you mean. And there's lots of the even in between, say Luke Mbati and, and or and Isaac Smith and the first team. You've then got Taylor Harwood-Bellis and again Finn Burns. So there's even there's competition there as well as, and there'll be even more competition behind someone like Jade Katongo, who's I think he's. he's either slightly younger or about about the same age as Isaac. There's all sorts of competition um, at the minute. You struggle to see where the chances come, don't you? Yeah. But, I mean, that Wickham game came out of nowhere, so...
2: <laughs> you never know, do Peter Peterborough's on the horizon.
7: Know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, who knows? Yeah,
2: uh, a quick point on uh, the Premier League Under-18 rules. Uh, I don't really understand what's changed, but something has changed, hasn't
7: it? Yeah, this... As I was, I was writing notes to, to come on this week, I, just something stuck out to me. I mean, that you cannot, after Brexit, you, we can't sign under-18 players from uh, the EU anymore. Now, that hasn't seen much success in terms of uh, first-team transitions thus far. Um, other than, you know, we might not see another Eric Garcia, which is a shame, isn't it?
2: Uh, I was going to say, I'm I'm not sure there'll be a huge number of fans crying (laughs) over that.
7: But at the same time, you know, Romeo Lavia will pretty much be the last signing of that of that nature, which is a shame because it's you know his sheer quality. He looks, he looks the part, Lavia. But at the same time, maybe um, maybe somebody like David Brooks wouldn't fall through the cracks, and he'll continue to get the best possible coaching and may well be an asset of of the you know that type of player as well. So, we're going to see a greater spread of UK trained talent. We've already, we are, the signings this year that we've made at scholarship level, some players like Thomas Galvez from Watford and George Murray Jones, the keeper from Southend, signings that we've always made will now have to be pretty much all UK based as well. Yeah, but then even a greater spread of even like the talent that signs at a younger age from you know that are scouted on the fields up and down the country. Just in this group, Isaac Smith—he's—he's he's actually a scouser. Isaac Smith, uh, like you say, with uh, there's another one as in that in that same group as well from Liverpool, and there's one from like Saint Helens, and uh, to go along with the usual uh, crop of players from Manchester and London. Yeah. So, like I say, we've always done these deals, but it might not, it might now have to go into overdrive in terms of UK-based talent and hopefully retention from the the younger academy um, in terms of local lads as well.
2: Yeah, and I know I'm, I, I know the loan rules are changing soon as well, so there might not be uh, might not be as many opportunities for players to go out on loan. So that that's something to keep an eye on, I guess. Um, let's finish, uh, Sean, with uh, a little a little bit on Rico Lewis. You've mentioned him in the past. Um, I'm gathering that uh, you're quite excited about
7: him. <laughs> Yeah, this is the player I wanted to come on to talk about in, in reality this this week. Uh, I've mentioned him before, but it was kind of only initial impre- impressions that I had of him. Um, so he's a, he's a scholar again. So I think he only he turned 17 a month or two ago. But he's playing at all levels. He was playing at the un, the... Uh, under nineteen UEFA youth league thing that we crashed out of pathetically as usual. <laughs> um he was playing at that level and he's played he's played here there and everywhere. So if I was to say that he's a right back that can also play in central midfield, I'm not setting any pulses race in there. I'm mean, it's 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 the type of player that we might have seen a million times before yeah. go on to nothing. But Rico to me is a little different. Rico is very adept at the dual Fullback slash attacking midfielder role on both sides, so left back and right back.
2: Kind, kind might, of what Cancelo invented last season.
7: Quite like what Cancelo does, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so more than uh, CJ CJ Egan Riley played a you know a more kind of right back slash defensive midfield role in that in that Wickham game, which is what we've seen more type of player of recently. Uh, Rico is a bit more versatile, a bit more dynamic. He is a player who is incredibly agile, pretty quick. Uh, he, you know, he gets into advanced positions. He is, despite his small stature, he's quite strong as well. He, one of the most recent game that I saw him do this, um, play this role. So, like I say, he started at left back, but Luke Mbatey, drifted over on the ball, or when City were on the ball and Rico Lewis was actually the most advanced of all the three yeah the three uh, at, at midfielders uh, narrower than Mbete but still ahead of Kian Breckin and uh, Romeo Lavio which is and he will trouble the scorers as well he'll use that agility to either cut into the midfield and play a pass or he'll take a shot on himself he's got a goal in I think he was in the youth league where he's just spanned ridiculously in the box and and placed it in in, uh, in the corner. I just think he's an incredible player. I I really like play. I've 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 heard this phrase uh, around the academy a couple of times, and then I think I heard Jonathan Smith say it recently about uh, players showing their personality on the pitch. And the more that I heard that, the more it started to click for me that it's those type of players that you notice more on the yeah. pitch that you start to think, oh, there might be something here. And then when they do it consistently, Enrico is one of them players. He he shows. A lot to me on a lot of occasions and he you know he's versatile so he'll be all over the pitch and he'll be scoring goals he'll be setting it up he'll he'll be putting strong tackles in um I think he's just a fantastic player I've I've seen a lot from him recently I I think it was only about a month ago for the first time I saw his face cropping up in the uh the first team training picture as well so I'm hoping that uh that Pep feels the same that we've got a, a a good little player there for the future hopefully
1: this is the blue moon podcast facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast
2: That was Sean Blinkhorn talking to me about some of the EDS players Uh, we're going to finish with some listener questions get them in for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast you can email us through the website as well there's a little form on there just uh, go to bluemoonpodcast.com fill it out send it in Um, first up is uh, the Bertie Full South on Twitter who has said uh, how do you stop City becoming complacent in the run up to any Champions League final like they were last year Um, I guess this all comes down to rhythm Martin a little bit
4: Dave yeah I mean I think that the, the, you know, we, we knew for quite a while last season, didn't we, that City were going to win the uh, uh, the title. I know it wasn't uh, it wasn't until uh, a couple of games before the end that it was absolutely certain. But um, I don't think anybody really expected United to 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 catch them last season. So, and of course, they were out of the FA Cup. So I think that they, they perhaps just you know lost their rhythm a little bit before that uh, and and into the season. So uh so yeah I think it might be different this season. It looks like Liverpool are going to run City a bit closer for the for the title. I think Pep having only won the FA Cup once, perhaps, I think he wants to go deep into that one as well. So uh um yeah, I ex- I do expect them to go to go very close to uh winning all three really. So uh, hopefully that won't be as much of an issue this time.
2: Yeah, Alan, I wonder if if um the situation as it was last season, the fact that that the league wasn't as competitive as as maybe it could be this season. Actually, hindered City in in the big games at times because that because they didn't have that pressure week in week out.
3: I I, I I don't know. It's difficult. It's difficult to surmise this from the outside. I mean, I'm uh, I'm a little bit. Um, I think complacent is strong. Is a bit of a strong um, adjective to use in such a situation. I don't think any team comes into. I don't think any professional club comes into a situation like that with complacency. But I think, yeah, I mean I I see where you're coming from. I think there could be, you know, being run a little bit closer this time round could give a little bit more urgency to the situation than, than as before. A little bit of mental sharpness. Although I would say if you want to stop City becoming complacent, tell the teams that if they don't win the U don't win the Champions League this year, we return to the bus game. <laughs> <laughs> on the twenty on the two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Business model, which means you'll have me outside with a banjo lily singing absolute nonsense at them for the ne- for the next season. Yeah, Nobody
2: I'll, I'll, wants that shit. I'll, I'll, I'll chuck a few quid in if we, if it uh, if it means we don't have to. Alan, is that all right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just going to say actually uh, as well, guys. Do you remember, on the sort of complacency thing? Do you remember Aguero's penalty against Chelsea uh, and <laughs> he went for the penenka, didn't he? And he oh, just yes. chipped it to the keeper. So. Uh,
3: that was a complacency, I'm not sure. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah well, well, maybe. I mean, certainly the only penalty that I can remember that was um, followed up with an apology.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least he got it on target though. That's not that's not it always did. a given with so, City yeah, these yeah, days. It, is it, 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 yes. yeah, it did go down it went down as a shot on target that. Yeah, yes. Not not always a given. Um <laughs> we're going to finish with Simon P on the emails who uh, got in touch to say I just wanted to pick up on something David said recently about not being bothered if City don't sign a striker this summer and say that I fully agree. I would worry that even bringing in someone who is undoubtedly world class like Kane or Haaland would upset the balance that we've worked so hard to create over the last two seasons. Could this mean that City won't end up going all guns blazing to sign a forward this summer Um, Martin I guess out of the three of us you're in the uh, best position to be able to uh, to kind of surmise Uh, what City are thinking
4: Yes, well, I, I still think they will they will try and sign um uh, a, a new forward uh, Dave, and I think they'll you know I think they'd be willing to spend big money on a on a striker, you know. Of, of course, we shouldn't forget that they've already signed one in uh, in Julian Alvarez, who, who who you know the reports that you see about him are uh, first class. Uh, you know, I think there's some footage of Aguero watching him score a hat trick, isn't there? So, and and of course, you know, all City fans would love to see Liam Dilap Dilap come come through and do well, but uh, but no, I think I think that Pep would love to. Have have the option of a of a target man just to uh, you know just for the, the the games that are that are close um, and I think they will I think I think they will try and sign Erling Haaland that's my that's my view on it Real Madrid will want to sign him too so um, my last pound says he might go to Real Madrid if they if they come up with the right offer but um, yeah I think there's still a strong chance he comes to City as well so uh, um, yeah listen I, yeah, I take the point about. Do they do they actually need one? They, they are lovely to watch at the moment, but uh, I don't know if you want to go in another season without a, without a recognised centre forward.
2: Well, this this was going to be my question, Alan, because it, it like it could be Guardiola's final season. Um, the idea that you go into it not giving him all the tools that you want to win as much as he could possibly want. Surely, surely they have to go out and get somebody this summer,
3: don't they? Uh, well, look, there, there are two. I suppose I have competing views on this number one it certainly is not broken at the moment but on the other hand you have to move forward all the time um we've had seasons where we've had precious little going on in the transfer market sometimes and in the past we've suffered for it um so one has you know it it, it is like a it is it's like an animal eating all before it One, one has to one has to keep on moving like a pike for those of us who read our Ted Hughes poems. But um, on the other hand, people misunderstand the fundamental uh, role of City in the transfer market, which is to attract silly money and then entice other clubs into being even sillier to outdo us and so breaking (laughs) them in the process it's yeah. a little bit like uh, it's a little bit like some of the ta- tactics during the cold war of making the ussr spend 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 and spend and then watch them go completely down the tubes in the end i get the feeling that's what that's what we've done to barcelona isn't it
2: yeah, I didn't. I didn't think we were going to finish this week's show with uh, a little bit on uh, USSR yeah, yeah, yeah. U- yeah. US politics, yeah. but here we are. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, geopolitics of the 1980s.
3: There you yeah. go. That's what. You, that's what people come to me for.
2: Yeah, I, didn't, I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure that's where we we're going. Uh, Martin, <laughs> yeah. final, final question. Um, yes.
3: If if
2: you were to, you said earlier on about uh, your final pound would go on uh, Haaland going to uh, going to Real Madrid. What if you were to put a number on it, kind of percentage-wise? What would you say for for where City are at and, and chances of uh, of getting Haaland or someone like Haaland right now? Uh,
4: well, I, I, mean, I, I think that you know, there's a lot of things going for it, Dave. You know, there's uh, the fact the fact that his, his dad has such a, a, a nice sort of affiliation with City. I think he would like um, his lad to go to go and sort of following his footsteps, if you like, and go and play there. I think um, you know, I think if if he does come to England this is the your city is that is the club that it'll go to the, the the sort of the sly worries about it all really are, are the involvement of, of the agent and then and, the, and the, the sort of wages and the 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 agent's fees that are going to be involved in it so although that 64 million pounds looks looks a brilliant deal compared to to mask 160 million for, for harry Kane. it looks an outstanding deal you know there, there will be a lot more to it than that so it, it starts to become the point where you're not sure if it's a, a city type of deal if there's all those sorts of extras and do they sort of smash the wage structure to get him so um i would i would probably put it at about uh i think they've probably got about a six out of ten chance of getting him really yeah uh, so uh you know i think there's a there's a there's a a chance and a, and a good chance, but it's just so hard to know how it, how it plays out really at the moment. So, um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how it works, and I, I would really like to see him there. You know, I would, I think it'd be a, I think it'd be an amazing signing. And, and it's sort of the sort of, as I say, he's, his dad's history with the club, and that it seems so perfect in lots of ways, doesn't
2: it? Yeah. Well, uh, it's one that uh, we will undoubtedly come back to later on in the season, but for now, that's it for today's Blue Moon podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and please don't forget to give it a rating and a review where you can. Thanks also to my guests for today's show, Alan Phoenix-Bates.
3: More than welcome.
2: And Martin Blackburn.
4: Pleasure,
2: Dave. Uh, If you'd like to support the show on Patreon, you'll get this podcast every week, completely ad-free. And you also get a bonus show every Monday. We've got several new formats of bonus shows we've been doing this season. Last Monday was an episode of The Games That Made Me, featuring Stephen McInerney. Here is a short clip. It's quite simply, possibly the most electric the Etihad's
8: ever been. Um, uh, I mean, there's probably some occasions in more recent history as well, but um, just goosebumps goosebumps from the first minute to the last um uh, I was convinced we were going to go get into the semis you know and go far and uh, I reckon the atmosphere made me convinced we were going to win the whole competition and do um, you remember the casido goal as well as offside yeah. like I, I lost my shit like and obviously I didn't realise that, that was only the beginning of painful disallowed offside goals in European football that we, you know, we've <laughs> experienced stuff but like um, that was um, do you know what you absolutely, you absolutely nailed on the head with the saying the first time the Etihad felt or well, the City of Manchester Stadium, as it was known back then felt like home um, and it did you're right Um you just don't get many days like that in football because obviously we go we, we go to football for days like that don't we you know where where like where you get that spine tingling atmosphere and everyone's really up for it and most football games are relatively forgettable you know most are because they're just i don't know a routine victory or yeah. a disappointing defeat or whatever but some games like that are the ones that stick in your head forever because they are the reasons that we obsess over this sport once again because it's that sense it's almost cathartic it's 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 like religious-esque, you know, when the atmosphere is like that because everyone's just absolutely obsessed and they're hanging on every single kick of the ball. And and there was a real belief as well we could do it. There was, wasn't there? And again, everyone felt we were going to do it. And um, uh, obviously it wasn't to be, but it was... um, it, yeah I it, it guess it did change it it did change it it did feel like home after that and um, I guess I'll always uh, I'll, I'll always love it for that reason
2: that was a clip of this week's Patreon bonus show it's online now for everyone who backs the podcast by £2 per month or more and for that money you'll also get a new bonus show every Monday as well all the details are on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast thanks very much for listening I'll be back next week to review the game with Spurs so I'll see you then